everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Alright guys, here we go. Another edition of the Softy Hot Wagger Podcast brought to you by our fine friends over at Pagliacci Pizza. Or, I'm sorry, Pagliacci Pizza. I'm still waiting for my pie, by the way, but I can wait a few uh, few weeks longer. No doubt about that. I've waited this long. I can keep waiting, Brian. How are you, pal? What's going on? I'm doing good, man. Hey, you let me know what you want. It, it yeah. will be on your... Uh... As long as you're within delivery distance, it will be okay. on your doorstep. I want the Softy Special. You know what the Softy Special is? No, tell me. Anything but veggies. Okay, so (laughs) like people that put like uh, lettuce and olives and I mean, tomatoes, I can kind of handle. But the people that throw artichokes and crap like that on there, if I wanted all that stuff, I'd get a salad. All right. I don't want that. I want a damn pizza. Are you with me on that kind of or no? Yeah, they definitely have that. The, 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 The great question for you there, though, is like. Are you a pineapple guy or not? Yes, I am, that's but that's not, not a vegetable. That's a fruit. Right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. why I had to know that. That's usually the great divider. But um, yeah. All right. All right. I, we can arrange. We well, can make arrangements. See, here's the thing, though. Uh, is there any other fruit besides pineapple that you'd put on a pizza? Like, would you put cantaloupe on pizza? Would you put watermelon on a pizza? <laughs> no. Would you put banana um, on a pizza? You know, with the, with the hipsters nowadays and what yeah. they put on different oh, things, God. who knows? I mean. Lavender ice cream, you know, you yeah. can keep that to yourself. Yeah, I mean, no. I'm, listen, to me, on my pizza, I want I want cheese. I want extra cheese. I want sauce, and I want pepperoni. I want sausage. I want Canadian bacon, and that's about it. Just give me a big, big pizza pie with a ton of meat. Anything that won't clog my arteries, I don't want that, okay? That's All right, you're kind of, killing me. I'm too hungry to have this conversation. That's kind of my general rule of thumb. But, well, let's talk about what we saw last week. First of all, let me go back to halftime, Okay. Because you are maybe a little more patient than I am. I think I've learned that about you in the few years that you and I have gotten to know each other. Um, what was your attitude like at halftime of the Colt game last week? Oh, uh, dominant thought was, is this the end of the era? Mm. You know, wow. I greatly, wow. I greatly <laughs> overestimated <laughs> the quality of this defense and its longevity. And have I, you know, underestimated how far this offense has to go and the quality of players that they, okay. you know, that they need to add. And I, it was largely about the defense. You know, the offense I, I was frustrated with, but watching basically a, a weapon-free, weaponless Colts offense score two straight touchdowns and no nowhere close to making a, a play other than the Coleman play was great, but it's just, I was like, where's the playmaker? Where, where's the where's the pass 
pressure? Where's like anyone stepping up on defense to really, you know, this should, they should look ferocious against this Colts offense. Yeah. And, um, yeah. it just wasn't there. And, and, uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was all going through my head. Well, if you were wondering if it was the end of an era, that pretty much is, I guess, the Hawk blogger equivalent of hitting the panic button, okay, <laughs> at halftime sure. of the game on, on Sunday. And I'm with you. I mean, I was pissed. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I was taking it out on my wife, which I had to apologize profusely to her uh, the entire week for that. I still haven't made up for it yet, by the way. But I don't know, man. I, I just think that um, – it's hard for me to connect an offense that went out and did what they did on Sunday and a defense that did what they did in the first half with what we saw in the second half. And it almost makes it look like they weren't giving the effort, which is, I know, hard to really accuse a team of doing because it's hard to know that. But did the Colts back off the gas or did the Hawks press on the gas in the second half? I think it's the latter, don't you? Yeah, I th- I think that it's not necessarily always an effort thing. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it can be a focus. Sure, thing. It sure. Can be, right. It can be totally you know, agree. making yes. fewer mistakes. Yes. And, yes. And, and I do think, though, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, what, what I wrote about the day after that really stuck out to me was, and probably not just to me, I know it wasn't just to me, but, but when Russell Wilson took that third down um, drop and chose to run, which is great, and had, had room to run, and got the first down and right there chose to keep going. You know, he could have slid there. That's a, that's a more conservative Sean Alexander type, you know, play. He chose to keep going, keep going. And then he had another choice when he got around the Tyler Lockett block. There was, he knew he was going to get hit. He could have slid right there, first and goal, at, you know, at the three-yard line, four-yard line. He decided to take it all the way. And, he, and then after he got hit, he stretched out fully for that, that end zone. And he got up and had so much emotion. The guy swore, for God's sakes. I mean, that's, that's making the news. Mm. So uh, I think that was just, I'm hoping, it was kind of the seminal moment of, of, you know, this team coming together. And, you know, their player who has been polarizing at times, putting himself on the line and showing emotion in a way that I think his teammates really responded. Yeah, I remember, uh, do you remember, well, obviously you do because you were there and you watched it on TV and it's only one of the greatest moments in franchise history, the comeback versus Green Bay in the 2014 NFC Championship. And there's that clip of Russell, I think it was after he scored on the on the bootleg touchdown. Uh, It may have been Marshawn's touchdown. I'm not sure which one it was, but... He's on the sideline yelling, I hate losing. I hate losing. You remember that in the Packer game? So, Uh I mean, we've seen that kind of emotion from Russell Wilson before. And I look, I mean, I I don't know. We'll, We'll talk to Warren Moon about this later today on the radio show. Get your thoughts as well. I think Russell is in a position where he can start to maybe use his legs to open the rest of this offense up. And I think we saw that a bit on Sunday. And I think there's a there's opportunities for him to run. And he's not taking advantage of him. And when he does, it just feels like, look, you want to start with the running back. You want to start with a ground game or you want to start with the pass game to open the run game up, whatever. I think this offense is in a unique position to let Russell's legs open the rest of this offense up. Agree or disagree on that? I agree that that's a, that's a big piece there. I think there was three things that were big takeaways from that game. One was absolutely Russell Wilson's play. And I'd zoom in on his play on third down. He was six for seven on third downs. His only incompletion was when Jimmy Graham dropped that ball in the middle of the field that turned into an interception, or else he would have been seven for seven on third downs. 
that's when he is at his best. And this is the first time in his career he's had two straight games where he's gone over 295 yards passing. So, I mean, he could be in the midst of one of these streaks that we've seen from him before. So I think that was huge. I think the pass rush actually finally showing up with some consistency and some ferocity in that second half, that was huge. And third, J.D. McKissick. I think that that guy has something he can add to this offense that's unique. And, yes, he's C.J. Proceis' backup, and they say he has some of the same skills. He's different than even Proceis, and I think he can add playmaking, and I'm really eager to see um, what he does on Sunday. Well, I can't imagine C.J. Proceis catching a post route for a touchdown the way J.D. McKissick did on Sunday. Can you? Uh, maybe. I mean, Procise, Procise, as far as like, you know, his skills receivers good. I, I'm not down on Procise as much as, as I, I can't see CJ Procise taking the handoff in the backfield and reaching top speed um, and going by the line as quickly as McKissick did on his 27 yard touchdown run. I mean, or 30 yard, whatever it yeah, was 30. Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he out of the backfield is a blur and they don't have anyone else like him. Well, I think J.D. McKissick is more versatile than C.J. Proceis is as far as doing different things. I mean, C.J., the things he does well, he may do them better than J.D. McKissick does. But yes. I, can't, I can't imagine C.J. Proceis running between the tackles the way McKissick can. I can't imagine C.J. Proceis making plays downfield through the air the way J.D. McKissick can. I can imagine C.J. Proceis making plays in the, in the flat and picking up a ton of yak uh, after the catch, especially out of the backfield in the flat, I can see him doing things like that. But I can't imagine C.J. Procise doing all the things that J.D. McKissick can do. No chance. Zero chance. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the thing that I have a hard time imagining with C.J. Procise is that he's staying on the field. How about, you know, yeah, healthy. That. Exactly. That's the part that, that I struggle with. And, and McKissick, is, he's no big guy. I mean, he's small, but... Um, He's more durable. I think he's more, um, you know, comfortable with contact. You know, this is a guy that shows out on special teams as well. He's making tackles. I mean, I think he's a tough guy. And, you know, it's funny, Dave, if you look at his numbers and, and kind of his measurables, I, it's really clear why the Falcons picked him up and were trying to figure out how to use him. He is somewhere in between. A, he's a lot like a Devonta Freeman, mm -hmm. but also a little bit like Taylor Gabriel. He's a little bit in between. He can do the receiver. He can do the running back. Um, and, you know, imagine having a guy like Devonta Freeman on the, the Seahawks roster who can also play a good, a solid receiver role. Um, you know, I, I don't want to blow this guy up to where he is those guys yet. He certainly hasn't proven it. Right. But he had he has more touchdowns in two touches than C.J. Proceis has in his career. I'm curious to see how – that's a great uh, point, by the way. I'm curious to see how they handle the touches between McKissick, Rawls, and Lacey on Sunday. Because they're all going to be active, I assume, right? Yep. With CJ being banged up a little bit and Carson being banged up, all three of those guys are going to be active. But how do you handle the touches? How do you handle the distribution of the football? I mean, I, I assume that Rawls gets the first crack at running back, and if he's hot, they they stick with him. But JD McKissick, for God's sakes, is coming off a two touchdown game. I think you want to roll with that, you know, until he shows he's cooled off a little bit. So it feels like again this weekend that Lacey may be the odd man out. Maybe in goal line situations, they give Eddie Lacey a crack. But to me, that's one of the great curiosities about this game against this defense using our offense of line how do you distribute the ball between those three guys on Sunday I think it'll look a lot like it looked this past week um, I think they started to show some 
you know, determination about how they're going to split carries even before Carson went out. Lacey was getting carries, and I think most of us were like, God dang it, <laughs> but put Chris Carson back in the game. But, you know, they were pretty determined to, to split that up, and I thought Lacey far and away had his best game. Um, yes, he had more holes to run through, but I don't care. He was running through the holes, and mm-hmm. he was carrying defenders with him. I, I was okay with how he played. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like the, uh, the mentality Thomas Rawls is going to bring into this game. The guy's been active for two, two times. He was supposed to be the starter. Um, he knows what's at stake. Um, there's not, we're not going to see a game where he's going to run harder than how he's going to run Sunday. So I definitely think you're right. He gets the start and, and gets the, the, probably the majority of the carries, but I think Lacey will get a few. Right. I think we're going to see a decent chunk of J.D. McKissick um, you know, in kind of these third-down style packages, both as a runner and you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, I don't know if you would have pulled Thomas Rawls aside. Uh, so he would have been, I guess, on the sideline for the game a week ago, right? Because he was inactive in yep. street clothes. Yep. If you would have pulled him aside, I don't know, in the middle of the first quarter and said, hey, uh, you're in street clothes, I, I get it, but uh, you're going to start next week. <laughs> you think he would have bought that? You think Thomas Rawls would have bought, he would have gone from inactive to starting against the Rams? No, and I don't think anybody else would either because it's yeah. not true. I right. mean, you know, he, Chris Carson was, was cementing himself as the, the lead running back here maybe for years to come, yeah. um, and yeah. Rawls, you know, he was going to be the odd man out. I think they see Lacey as sufficiently different uh, from the other guys. And, and Rawls is, you know, as much as I really like Thomas Rawls, he tends to have a hard time, similar to C.J. Proceis, but if, if Thomas Rawls carries the ball more than 15 times in a game, mm-hmm. you can be pretty sure that he's not going to practice the next week. You know, he might play the, the following week, but his body just doesn't hold up to that kind of pounding. So maybe this ends up being ideal. Maybe he's a 10 to 13 carry guy and and so is Eddie Lacy and McKissick's you know taking the rest and maybe that just works for this group yeah here's the thing about Carson that concerns me though a little bit I mean first of all can we find a damn running back that can stay healthy that's number one okay because all four of these guys have been banged up now I mean it's ridiculous right you got three guys wasn't his this wasn't a durability thing. okay I understand that I I understand that no I understand that but here's the concern (laughs) though Brian Uh, 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 Carroll came out and said that his injury is similar to the one that Rawls had in the Baltimore game two years ago yeah look at the way Rawls has responded to that yep. he's not the same yep. guy is Chris Carson going to be whatever path he was on before the injury can he get back on that path that's a concern for me yeah I think that's totally fair and uh yeah it, it's it's horrible I mean that, that guy was really on the come and and now we'll have to see um and and I think it's too early to say that, that Thomas Rawls is not the same player he has not been the he same hasn't player. been we know that he hasn't been right but he, you know, he did have he, – he looked pretty darn good against Detroit in the playoffs last year. So it's not like he's never done anything since that injury. I think it's just can he get healthy? He seems to be now. Um, and let's see what he does this week against a good defense um, that, that hasn't been playing that well. Um, and, you know, on the road, I think this is a, a big moment in his career. Let me tell you what goes through my head when I think of Aaron, Aaron Donald facing this Seahawk offensive line. You ready? I'm ready. I think I'm ready. <laughs> That's what goes through my head. Dude, I can picture your bulging eyes uh, <laughs> zooming in and out uh, with that. Uh, it's, that totally works for You me. know what I imagine? I imagine, like, I don't know, give me a name. Uh, Reese Odiambo in the shower. <laughs> 
and Aaron Donald stabbing him with a freaking knife. Like psycho and blood flying all over the place. No, no, he would just look at him and, and Odiyama would be stabbing him. <laughs> oh my himself. God, dude. Yeah, you know, get me away. All right, so what yeah, do we do? What do we do? You got, I mean, it's not just him, it's Quinn Brockers, it's, it's Donald. That back seven has been exploited, but that front four still scares the hell out of you. This is one of those things you throw into the computer and, and it just spits back out to you, does not compute. Because, uh, you know, to have those guys that are undeniably difference-making athletes, amazing talents, and for, this, for the Rams, pretty consistently, to never have been a good run defense. Even when they were you know, a good overall defense the past few years, their run defense has always been in the 20s. Um, I don't get that. And, and last year they had William Hayes to boot. Um, so they seem to play against the Seahawks the way I'd expect them to play against everybody. Yeah. Um, but they don't. I mean, this over the last three weeks, Softy, since since they played, you know, Scott Tolzien and the Colts, um, who's definitely worse than even Jacoby Brissett. They're 31st in the NFL in points in yards. They're th- they're 32nd in the NFL over across the the season in explosive runs given up. They're 26th in the NFL in explosive passes given up. This has been a really bad defense. So I don't know how that is, but that's what it, that's what the numbers have said so far. Okay, so then what's the biggest challenge or the bigger challenge? Run your little computer dorky nerdy dealy bob there. Uh, put in all the uh, all the computations and and tell me what's the biggest concern: scoring on this defense when you've had your own offensive problems, or stopping the number one scoring offense in football at thirty five points a game. Oh, definitely scoring. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you why. I mean, so so the Rams are fourth in the NFL in sack rate, and they're fourth in the NFL in takeaways. I think those two numbers are often very much linked. Um, can you create pressure to cause mistakes and, and create turnovers? But they're, they're, you know, they're dead last in a lot of other stuff, as I told you, or toward the back of the NFL. So I think one thing Seahawks fans have to prepare themselves for is Russell Wilson is going to get sacked. He's going to be under pressure. If anyone's thinking they're going to all of a sudden start blocking that, that group, don't. That's not what's going to happen. But they clearly have gaps in their defense that can be exploited, and I think that's the part that you know this offense has to find. I think that's why I think J.D. McKissick can be a big part of what they do. A quick pass out of the backfield is a lot you know, easier to, to rely on than you know, deep throws downfield. I'd also offer Tyler Lockett has owned the Rams in his career. Last year, 99 yards in one game, 130 yards in the second game. Yeah. Um, you know, he's played pretty well against this Rams team. On defense, though, you got a, you got a, still a young quarterback. Yes, I believe he's been playing really well. I've watched him. But I still believe in the, 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 the principles behind this defense and the guys that are carrying that out. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's harder for me to – to, to see them just running up and, and down the field on them. And, and they, honestly, they haven't played a great defense yet or even a, a really good defense yet this season. So this will be their yeah. first test. Well, they're two and four in the last six against the Rams overall. And yep. you know that they have not had a running back go for 100-plus since Marshawn in week 17 of 2012. Against the Rams. Yeah, Russell went for 100 against him, but we have not had a running back go for 100-plus. And that's three years of Marshawn, including two of his best years in 13-14. So it's been a long damn time. It's been almost five years since we've seen a Seahawk running back break the 100-yard barrier against that defense. Yeah, no. I mean, there's no doubt the Rams have been uh, kryptonite for the Seahawks. Yep. 
this is the only thing you can kind of hope is that, look, they have switched to a new defensive coordinator who's great in Wade Phillips, but they've switched their scheme to 3-4. The guys are still getting used to that. They have lost William Hayes. He was the guy, everyone talks about Aaron Donald, he was the guy that got to Russell Wilson more than anybody else. He had seven sacks in like two or three, was it seven sacks in four games, I think, against the Seahawks. Um, and he's gone. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think there is reason to think that they're catching the Rams at a good time. It might be harder later in the season when they've more adjusted to this, to this new scheme. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good stuff. Enjoy the weekend. This was All fun. All right, dude. We'll talk in a week. All right, thank you, and thanks to Pagliacci as always. Hey, if you want to get a deal Monday through Thursday, please uh, order an 11-inch pizza, any kind, and get it in a se- second 11-inch pizza for free just by using the code HawkBlogger. So God. good deal Monday through Thursday. Look at you, Mr. Pitchman. I love it. If this, uh, if this uh, analytical thing doesn't work out, if this, uh, this uh, football thing doesn't work out, you'd be a great pizza salesman. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Just keep that in your back pocket. All right, thanks, Softy. See you, buddy. Hawk Blogger, Brian Nemhauser. Be sure and check him out on Twitter, at Hawk Blogger, the website, hawkblogger.com, where, like Facebook, everything is free and it always will be. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Want more great Seahawks talk? Of course you do. Check out the Pedestrian Podcast. It's the official podcast of the UK Seahawkers. Hosted by Stuart Court, Adam Nathan, and Ross Bell. It's fun. It's British. You get accents. You get Seahawks. You get football. It's definitely worth it. They're at pedestrianpodcast.podbean.com or you can find them on iTunes. Check them out.